Hey there, folks. Welcome to, of course, Griff Talks Football with your host, Griff here. And do you all remember that Allen Iverson quote? It, it, it's on YouTube, and he talks about practice, and he complained about practice. And I remember one, one, of, the, one of the things he said was like, uh, we're talking about practice, not a game, practice. Again, I always find that hilarious, and while practice isn't the most exciting thing or most fun thing to do, it is probably, if not, the most important thing in sports and in life. Practice opens an opportunity to not only work on your craft, but it also opens an opportunity to get better. Today's episode, I'm going to dive into practice, and more specifically, the importance of maximizing the amount of time that you have for practice and the importance of consistently establishing your identity every week and recognizing that practice also provides an opportunity to try and work on new plays. In speaking about practice, or at least more specifically, speaking about the amount of time that you have for practice is probably, if not the most important thing that occurs in football. As a coach, you only have a certain amount of time out of the day with the players, whether it's high school, collegiate, professional, you name it, Again, you only have a certain amount of time out of the day with the players. Mike Leach, who has been the head coach for the Texas Tech Red Raiders and for the Washington State Cougars, and as of late or recent, he is currently the head coach for the Mississippi State Bulldogs, had highlighted the importance of practice, which involves time intervals and drills and, and specifies why that is important. Um for his offensive identity, or even then, plays are associated with the air raid system, and more specifically, the mesh play. When, when, they, uh, when they step out onto the field, I don't want it to look like a city softball team, you know, where guys are just ambling out and kind of rolling balls around or anything like that. We have specific drills we do. Some guys are going to come out before others, depending, you know, when they get taped or what they have going with the trainer, but there's specific drills that they do. Uh, the receivers, we have them doing a drill called settle and noose, uh, which I'll show and describe that drill. And then um, we always have blitz pickup. We always have blitz pickup. And that'll be the plays that we have in the script for that week. Uh, they'll be attached to various blitzes, forcing the quarterback and the receivers uh, to react when the opponent brings pressure. Um, and then uh, the next, and, and so, and that's the, these are about one quarter speed. We don't stretch. Uh, we don't stretch. Um, dogs don't stretch, and uh, and uh, neither do cougars. So. <laughs> I I find that h- hilarious. I mean, well, that's like a a crazy analogy. Come on, pup. Just letting my dog get back in the house. Well, that is a a crazy and insane analogy. It's kind of true. You don't uh, you just want to warm up. And when he was talking about that specific drill about settle and noose, uh, that was established at three twenty five. Um, Pacific time, because this is it. This is I, back in 2014, 2013, I think. Um, when he did this night coach of the year, one of these coaching clinics talking about this practice, and this was a uh, uh, Thursday practice. Um, which again, that can 
this schedule that he had put up and had shown uh, can occur Tuesdays, Wednesdays, but this is he decided to show a Thursday practice script or at least a schedule what they're trying to accomplish and prepare for their Saturday's opponent. Um, I can't remember which opponent that they were preparing for, uh, but this is uh, one of their practice schedules that he had uh, established. Um, And this, again, that whole clip goes to Championship Productions and to Mike Leach, who... Um, had, uh, again, talked about the specific drill at this specific time, and so forth. And maximizing practices at each day, time, and drill is by far the most, uh, the utmost importance due to the fact that identities need to be mastered. Indeed, much like other sports teams, comic books, and films, establishing an identity helps narrow down goals and helps keep focus on the narrative that a coach writer, or film director may want to focus on. I talked a ton about identity subject earlier during the 2019 NFL season, which involved with the Cleveland Browns. I remember specifically publishing episodes just on the Cleveland Browns, and there were two distinct reasons why I did those episodes. For starters, I'm a huge Cleveland Browns fan, and I was ranting over over their losses, (laughs) But the second reason in which it revolves or ties into this episode is that the Browns did not have an identity, or at least from an offensive standpoint. When you look at Cleveland's offensive stats, and more specifically the players, it's astonishing to have these players obtain these stats with an inconsistent identity. Here are some of the stats and some of the players I'm going to point out here. Uh, And while, again, stats don't tell the entire story, Again, I'm just astonished that these players were able to team these amounts of stats and touchdowns, receptions, yards, you name it, again, with an inconsistent identity. We're talking about Odell Beckham Jr., who had one of his career lows, 74 receptions, 1,035 yards receiving before receiving touchdowns. Then Jarvis Landry, who led the Browns with receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns with 83 receptions, 1,174 yards receiving and six receiving touchdowns. Nick Chubb, uh, dude was a beast and was probably one of the reasons why the Browns had at least a chance to win some of their games this past season. Had 298 carries, 1,494 yards rushing, as well as eight rushing touchdowns. And then Maker Mayfield, he had 3,827 passing yards with 22 passing touchdowns to 21 interceptions. Matter of fact, he was second or third. Uh, he was third in throwing the most interceptions this year, uh, behind Philip Rivers, I believe, as well as Seamus Winston. And then the record for the Cleveland Browns, of course, was 6-10. and 10. Again, while these stats don't tell the entire story, it does somewhat prove that the Browns this year and for this upcoming 2020 season, have quality players. However, with that being said, a coach can easily ruin the player's talent by either not managing and putting the player in the best position to succeed, or by not having an established identity. Throughout seeing Cleveland play this past year, and just speaking on the offense, 
which the offensive play calls were under the command of Freddie Kitchens, was absolutely garbage and inconsistent. Best example I can remember was when the Browns played the third game of the year, hosting Sunday Night Football for the first time since, I believe, 2007-2008, against the defending NFC West Division and Conference Champions, the Los Angeles Rams. During that game, Freddie Kitchens was trying to establish a vertical passing attack with RPOs mixed in. The only thing that remotely worked with what Freddie had in mind was RPOs. Uh, For those who don't know, RPOs are run-pass options. Eventually, the Rams had adjusted, and at that point, inside zones were the only reason besides the Browns' defense is what had kept the team to still have an opportunity to win the game. Evidently, the Browns did not win the game. Eventually, Kitchens had decided to change the identity, or at least the play call distribution to go to a more run-heavy approach due to the lack of pass protection and the terrible mechanics and decision-making by Baker Mayfield. Now, even though the play call distribution went towards the more run-heavy approach, it does not mean they had an established identity. You can't just say, hey, let's run, without specifying the kind of personnel and a specific style of run system or rushing attack. I'll give you two examples, which features two coaches who have been to Super Bowl these past two seasons, uh, even though they lost. Again, they went to the Super Bowl, uh, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. <clears throat> Sean McVay is currently the head coach for Los Angeles Rams, and heading into the 2020 uh, fall season will be his fourth season at the helm. He's been there since 2017, having gone 11-5 in his first year, followed up by a 13-3 season with a Super Bowl loss to the Patriots, and followed that up this past season by leading the team to a 9-7 record, missing the playoffs. While it definitely blows for a fan to not see the Rams make the playoffs, they can certainly take solace in the fact that they, that, that, that they've been not only consistently good, but they've mostly have had consistent identity, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And their identity, led by Sean McVay's play calling, has been a zone run team using multiple 11 personnel formations with a mix of 12 personnel with a heavy use of rollouts with deep crossers as part of their play-action game. Uh, for those who don't know, 12, uh, 11 personnel is referred to as one tight end, one running back with three wide receivers. It's also referred to as a one-back package or personnel. Also, 12 personnel is referred to as one running back, two tight ends. Um, And again, I said heavy use of rollouts with deep crossers, but they also used a lot of jets or motions or zooms with receivers that either give the ball to the receiver or is a fake handoff to receiver, a fake handoff to running back, and then it became a play-action pass. Um, And they used... Sean McVay had used and at least incorporated a lot of motions uh, to complement well, or what he thought complements well with the zone scheme. And as I just said, part of what makes this offensive scheme very difficult to defend is because of the trickery that they've incorporated, which again consists of motions, sweeps, and flies with wide receivers and screen plays to the running backs. 
I guarantee they've practiced and mastered their pl- base plays, which is based from their offensive identity, before they practice their trick plays. And the same goes for Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, throughout his career being in, as an offensive play caller for various teams, had always established his own run scheme with 12. Again, one, t- uh, one running back, two tight ends, or one running back with a tight end and a fullback. 22 with two backs um, and two tight ends, or 13 with one back, three tight end personnels. He had already figured out what identity his offense was going to be, and he built off the zone runs and the personnel he used with play action screens and trick plays that complemented well with the zone scheme. Freddie Kitchens had not, and therefore, got fired. The man who replaced him is Kevin Stefanski, who may run the zone scheme with 12, 22, and or 13 personnels based on what the Vikings offense looked like under Kevin Stefanski's play calling this past year. Like, as a reminder, this episode isn't about offensive identity or defensive identity, it's about practice. However, practice does coexist with a team's identity, and it's not just a scheme thing either. Practice also requires a ton of work ethic, teaching from coaches, teamwork, studying, and much more. It's important to maximize the amount of time that you have for practice while also continuously establishing your identity every week and recognizing that practice opens an opportunity to try trick plays. However, to accomplish trick plays, you have to practice your craft and identity. And as the saying goes, practice makes perfect. And as Mike Leach had talked about earlier, that subtle and new splits pickup segment, uh, which that was 15 minutes. It, and he also had a section, and this is just the offensive practice schedule. He had a section where um, it's about the quick game, then a routes on air, then team screens, one-on-ones versus DBs. All of that is in preparation to practice on the identity, which is an air raid scheme. Um, and a lot of the plays are associated with the air raid passing attack is the mesh play, which consists of drags or crossers, but mainly drags, with a wheel route and out route and either a dig or a flag or a go or a post from one of the receivers. Like, there's many variations to this, and I can give you one example that I've uh, created um, where it, I would call it gun, uh, left trips, three jet, uh, mesh, Z post, um, X out. So what that means is the mesh is the concept with that drags in the wheel. The running back is going to run the wheel route. He's and this is in shotgun. So he's on the left side of the QB five yards in the C gap. I think between the left tackle and left guard, I believe that is called the C gap. He's running that wheel route. The tight end is going to be going to five yards in depth, running the drag. The A-back, or who is also often deemed as the slot receiver, is running two to three yards drag. And that receiver, receiver is responsible for the rub. Part of what makes this play so difficult if a defense is running uh, man coverage to even defend this play is 
how well that slot receiver or that A-back or the receiver that's running that three-yard drag, how well that receiver runs that rub um, action, right? The tight end or the one who's running that five-yard cross or that five-yard drag is just trying to get in depth and trying to help assist the rub. But that receiver who's running that two- to three-yard drag dictates how well that play goes. Like in basketball, if you're a point guard and you're trying and you're trying to have a center or power forward set up a pick for you, that center is doing his or her responsibility, or that power forward is doing his or her responsibility to set up a certain um, area to set up that screen. Right? If you're trying to set up a screen at the three point line, that person is going to be setting up the screen at the three point line. It's up to that point guard. To run as tight as possible with that screen to create space for either the center or power forward to roll out to then get the ball and drive in for a two-point play or for the point guard to be creating space to either pass it out for a three or shoot a three or drive in for a two. That's the same thing with football where that slot receiver or that A-back or that person running that two to three-yard drag um, is doing and creating as much, or at least try and create as much separation as possible based on the fact that what that tight end or what that person who's running that five-yard drag has done for him or her, or has done just enough to create that separation, or to give an opportunity for that receiver to run as tight as possible to then create that separation. Um, and then I said Z post, so Z is going to run that 10-yard post, Try to attack the coverage, whether it's uh, two-man coverage, where it's most likely going to be open because the middle of the field is open. If it's cover one, most likely the middle of the field is going to be closed just based on where the free safety is. But it's supposed to occupy not only the person that's in man coverage with that Z receiver, but also the free safety as well. And then you have that six-yard out route running by the X. Um so the QB has plenty of options. Usually the first read is going to be that out route, just trying to get the ball out quick. If the out route isn't there, the second one is going to be that mesh concept, right? Um, that drag, that crossers or short crossers, any terminology you can think of where that QB is going to look for that slot receiver and throw it to the slot. The third read is typically the world route because of the running back beats the linebacker, which is most likely the linebacker matching up with um, the running back. And it's just based out of nickel personnel. Uh, that running back, based on the speed, based on the leverage, based on the route, will most likely beat his uh, man. Also, that post route, just FYI, is just an alert route where, oh, if it's cover two, heck, man, I have an opportunity to just throw it deep cut up the field because that middle field is wide open. But again, all this has been, or at least how this play has been successful is through all the drills and all the things in practice that are associated with this play. And much like I talked about the zone scheme, you find drills and you practice plays uh, to not only get better and master your base plays out of any formation, but then to set up other Plays that complement well with your scheme. And again, 
to accomplish trick plays, to accomplish play actions, to accomplish to accomplish any play that complements well with your identity, you have to practice your craft. And again, as the saying goes, practice makes perfect. This is Griff Talks F- Football signing off in preparation for next Monday's episode, The Importance of an Offensive Play Script. I'll catch y'all soon, and remember to love or hate my opinions. Mm-hmm.